I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. And so radical self-love is about how becoming so deeply reconnected with my own inherent value has the possibility to shift the world. That is what makes it radical. Not just that I like like myself. So I think self, self-confidence and self-esteem are necessary. They're valuable. That's not what I'm interested in. One, because self, self-esteem and self-confidence again, are about your individual journey. And that's great, but your individual journey won't help get me free unless you see it as interconnected to my journey. And that is what radical self-love gets us to. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 301 with guest Sonia Renee Taylor. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. First, I have to apologize about something. I'm pretty sure that last week and or the week before I had told you about an upcoming conversation about shit that matters with unqualified people on anxiety that me and Amy Smith were going to record. And we did record it. The bad news is I had a massive technology fail and it didn't record the entire episode. Y'all, in 300 episodes, I've never had that happen. And it finally happened. It was with my best friend, Amy Smith. So we're going to have to re-record that. It's such a bummer. And she's traveling a lot. I'm traveling a lot. Long story short, that episode is going to have to wait several weeks. And I'm anxious to bring it to you. So my apologies. Please have some patience on that. However, I have such a great episode to bring you today with Sonia Renee Taylor. I'm going to get to that in just a minute here. But first, I wanted to give you a heads up about something that is coming on Friday, October 11th. So speaking of Amy Smith, she and I founded something called the Self-Love Revolution in 2012, and we taught a few courses all around self-love. It was this joint project that we did together. And 
one of those courses was our signature program called the master's course. We taught it live at retreats. We taught it live digitally for years and years. And she and I are moving into another different joint project together. And we are retiring the self-love revolution as well as the master's course. So it's a digital program that focuses on feeling your feelings, negative self-talk, self-forgiveness, these fundamental topics that are directly related to your self-acceptance and your self-love. We love this program so much. It was a love child and we are retiring it forever. We're not going to teach it anymore, but we wanted to pass along a savings to you. We're going to offer it at 50% off the digital version of this course for three days. It's going to be available for purchase for three days starting on Friday, October 11th. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to offer it. So if you're not on my email list where you get my emails, you should be because we send out some good emails. (laughs) Super easy to do that. You can head on over to my website and find it or more easily, you can text the word kickass. It's all one word to 444-999. I know a lot of you are on your phones right now, so you can pause this and go ahead and do that. Text the word KICKASS to 444-999. You'll get subscribed. You'll start getting those emails on October 11th. And I'm so sorry if you're listening to this after October 11th. It's gone. It's retired. So wah, wah, sad trombone. But speaking of self-love... Today's guest is all about self-love. I have been trying to get Sonia Renee Taylor on my podcast for so long. She lives on the other side of the country right now, and I finally tracked her down, had some time with her, and I cannot wait for you to listen to this conversation I have with her. But before that, let me tell you a little bit about her. Sonia Renee Taylor is the founder and radical executive officer of The Body is Not an Apology, a digital media and education company promoting radical self-love and body empowerment as the foundational tool for social justice and global transformation. Sonia's work has been seen, heard, and read on HBO, BET, MTV, NPR, PBS, CNN, Oxygen Network, and on and on and on, all the way from USA Today, Vogue Australia, Shape.com. Ms. Magazine, and many more. She is a regular collaborator and artist with organizations such as Planned Parenthood Federation of America, Association for Size, Diversity, and Health, and Binge Eating Disorders Association. In 2011, Sonia founded The Body is Not an Apology as an online community to cultivate radical self-love and body empowerment. The Body is Not an Apology quickly became a movement and leading framework for the budding body positivity movement. In 2015, building platform to connect global issues of radical self-love and intersectional social justice. Sonia resides between the California Bay Area and New Zealand and continues to tour globally, sharing lectures, workshops, and performances focused on radical self-love, social justice, and personal and global transformation. So without further ado, here is Sonia Renee Taylor. Sonia, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited for this show. I was uh, I was sort of apologizing to Sonia before we started recording because I was I felt like I was really loud, gave the loud <laughs> high because I've just been really looking forward to this conversation and introducing you and your work to my audience. And I always like to start, I'm just very curious about people's stories, like how they came to, 
you know, were you evolved from the womb or I, I know for your work as a change agent. So can you share more about your journey? Like tell us more about, about Sonia and the path that led you to being recognized as the woman that you are today. It feels probably as fuzzy to me as it does to most of the world. I'm, <laughs> um, I think that I've always been interested in social change. I've always been interested in how do we create the world we say we want. So that question has probably you know, always existed in me. I was definitely the nine-year-old who was like, we have to stop using styrofoam. It's killing the planet. Uh, so, so, so there's always been some aspect of me that lives in that. I think so. Yeah, I think it's more so that this work found me and I was willing to be a yes. So the body is not an apologies work came about um, from a poem that I had written called The Body is Not an Apology. Um, And that poem came from a conversation with a friend um, who was afraid that she might have an unintended pregnancy and asked me, um, just asked me what she should do. And I'm, I'm kind of a nosy friend from a place of love, but I asked her why she was having unprotected sex with this casual partner. Um, Mm -hmm. She shared with me that she didn't feel because she had a disability that made it difficult for her to be sexual. She didn't feel entitled to ask this partner to use a condom. And my response to her was your body is not an apology. And when I said that to her, this is that's the first time I'd ever uttered those words. It was the first time that thought had ever occurred to me. But when I said it, it felt real. And it felt like mm, there's some kind of bigger truth in that that I'm supposed to explore. So first I wrote a poem, and then I started a Facebook page. And then I kept thinking of all these new projects to do under it. And then people became interested. And then before, I, you know, I'm like, I looked around and I had created this world and other people were a part of it that was about this idea of radical self-love and about how we live unapologetically in our bodies. Wow. That is, I, I love that story for so many reasons. And one of them is I'm a true believer that we get handed invitations all the time yes. and it's really up to us to take them or not. And I think that if, you know, I don't know, you can believe what you want about purpose and destiny and things like that in the universe. And I do though sometimes, especially like things like that, that story that you just told, if you hadn't taken that invitation, I truly think that somehow around the way it would have come back around in some other way. And it's just, yeah. it's just what a really beautiful story. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. 
there are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent. And I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first time or second time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Can you share how, and I love the term radical self-love and body empowerment are the foundational tools for social justice and global transformation? I know not, not, a, not a very light question, <laughs> but from any, any which way you want. Yeah. So the reality is that um, so much of the oppression and injustice uh, and inequity that we see in the world uh, is a result of the ways in which we view and how we treat bodies. Um, and for me, the my access to better understanding my body and my life is the access of radical self-love. None of us came here in a fractured relationship with our bodies or anybody else's body. We came here radically in love with ourselves. We came here thinking that we were perfect, just as we were. And we actually thought that about other people's bodies. You've never seen a self-loathing toddler, a two-year-old who hates their thighs, and you never will. (laughs) Um, Because those are ideas that are given to us about what bodies should be and should not be. Um, And those bodies are not just given, those ideas are not just given to us about our bodies related to size or related to shape. They're related to race. They're related to gender. They're related to age, to physical ability. We have been given messages about what right bodies are and what wrong bodies are. And as we shift those messages by returning to our inherent sense of worthiness in the bodies that we have today, we then start to make the foundation of those beliefs that there is such a thing as any kind of wrong body. We we begin to loosen the foundation of that belief in the world, which means that we then loosen the structures and systems that are built on top of that belief. That is how we create global transformation, is by shifting first and foremost what it is that we believe at the core about our own bodies, because it's holding up the foundation of all the other ways that we believe about bodies around the world. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Positively. And I want to sort of maybe even take a step back for just a second, because I think that there are some terms that go get thrown around in just a personal development world in general. And one of those is radical self-love or just self-love. And I love getting people on here to tell me what their definition of self-love is, because what we see a lot, you know, at least from my lens, which I think is the lens of, of many is just this sort of picture of what it looks like. It's sort of like when you Google yoga, you know, it's like this <laughs> white thin woman and, and it, it, it needs to encompass so many other things than that. So can you tell us what your definition of radical self-love is? Yeah, absolutely. So the reason that we use radical in front of self-love is because self-love by itself um, doesn't move anything, right? Self-love by itself is just contained. It's you. And I'm, you know, like I'm here for people's self-love, but radical self-love moves us beyond just you. And And that's actually where I'm interested. So the definition of radical means inherent to a thing. It also means at the root or foundation of a thing. It also means proposing 
radical changes to our government, uh, to our economic, social, and political systems. But the reason why I propose radical self-love is because, one, I believe that we arrived here on this planet as love. We are not, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't come here in this fractured relationship, that it is inherent in us, that in order to build a world that works for all bodies, it has to be built on the foundation of love, right? We've tried to build it on top of other things. We've built it on top of capitalist notions. We've built it on top of communist notions. We've built it on top of all these other things. And we see the results those have given us. So that's how we know that doesn't work. It has to be built on a foundation of love. And I'm interested in a love that transforms the political, economic, and social systems of this world. It's those systems that perpetuate Um, inequity and violence that perpetuate our fractured sense of self with our own being. Um, And so those systems have to change. And then, oh, the last one is thoroughgoing or extreme. And the reality is that every day we are faced with thoroughgoing and extreme versions of, of hatred for ourselves and in the world. You know, there was just another mass shooting at a synagogue in San Diego. As we're recording this. Yes, as we're recording this, right? And So we need the kind of love that is thoroughgoing and extreme in the other way. And so radical self-love is about how becoming so deeply reconnected with my own inherent value has the possibility to shift the world. That is what makes it radical. Not just that I like like myself. So I think self self confidence and self esteem are necessary. They're valuable. That's not what I'm interested in. One because self self esteem and self confidence again are about your individual journey, and that's great. But your individual journey won't help get me free unless you see it as interconnected to my journey. And that is what radical self love gets us to. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So so much. Well, and I just, I love that. I think that so much of what we see on social media and just everywhere on the internets around the concept of self-love really is on a surface level. Mm -hmm. And I think that even that people have such a hard time, even just wrapping their head around that like how do what does this even mean this journey and i i love that you are it just i just feel like if you aren't talking about all of the things that you're talking about from from a systemic and political and economic level then what good is it for just yeah what are you who are you helping who are you helping right. what are you changing <laughs> you know and in the what world yeah in the world i mean like i think that Part of what, and this is, you know, I tell this to folks all the time, is like, I'm not proposing the self-love that I often see on, you know, out here in the sort of body positivity realm. I put air quotes around that. But that that version of it, you know, looks easy. It's light. It's fluffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a proponent that, first of all, nothing grows without discomfort. You know, there's nothing. There's not a seed that is ever cracked from a shell and it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so um, I'm not talking about something that's just easy. It's simple, but it's not easy because it requires us to challenge all of these deeply held beliefs that we have come to, you know, have come to shape our world, but also that we avoid because we have all kinds of beliefs about ourselves as a result of having those beliefs. So there's these sort of constant um tricks of the mind that keep us locked in these systems. The work of, yeah. yeah, the work of radical self-love is to 
is to jiggle the key and try all the keys until we get back, you know, until we get back to us. Okay. Well, let's, you know, speaking of words that get thrown around where people like sometimes might not know exactly what it is. So let's talk about body shaming. So yeah. start from the very beginning. Can you talk about what it is, who does it, and what are some ways to, I guess, just from a general sense, overcome it? Yeah. So um, we, I think we all do it. We're, again, if you are, if you've been indoctrinated into a system, if you grew up in a world that told you that some bodies are good bodies and some bodies that are bad, some bodies are bad bodies, and that we should judge those bodies that are bad bodies, then you will probably body shame someone. You will walk down the street and have a judgment about what they look like or their size, you know, think that they should be doing this or doing that. These, these things are um, so deeply embedded in the way that we operate in the world. So when you walk down the street and you you know, and you're like, mm, she shouldn't have wore that. That's not flattering. That's body shaming. You know, mm-hmm. when you're when you're at home talking about your own body, oh, my, my skin is disgusting. That's body yeah. shaming. Certain you know parts of India and Africa, one of the highest selling products is skin lightening cream. Right, the idea that like uh, that I should chemically make myself lighter um, mm-hmm. is a function of body shaming. Uh, and so there are all of these ways in which we shame bodies. I mean, there are subtle, really insidious ways. So, for example, there's a, a dynamic called what we call a inspiration porn, where people mm-hmm. post photos of disabled folks doing regular things they do every single day, just saying, like, I'm so, you know, like, if they can do it, then I can get out of bed, too, right? Which is this idea of positioning them as superhuman for living their everyday life in the body that they have right? Uh Those kinds of things. There are insidious small ways we do it every single day. The way to get out of it is first and foremost to really notice it in yourself. Um, And these are things that I talk about in my book, The Body's Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. And in the back of it, I have a uh, 10 tools, the radical self-love toolkit. Uh, And one of those, the first tool is called dump the junk. Um, And the second tool is called a curb that body bad nothing. And these are all about ways that we start to notice messages that we're taking in and notice the messages that we're speaking over ourselves. So just begin to raise like every time I, I believe in like, give yourself a tip jar. We're a body shame jar. Every time you say something negative about yourself, you have to pay yourself and then you have to do something yeah. really kind with that money at the end of the month. Right. Um, and so or you judge someone else yeah, or, or you judge someone else. Or you, size are the biggest. Exactly. Yeah. Anytime we find ourselves participating in the system of body shame, um, we can bring it to our consciousness, which is what allows us to then um, do something about it, to do a different action. Yeah. Just note it. That's what I ask people to do is just notice and then watch if you're kind of beating yourself up for that and then feeling like shit about yourself because you've been participating in it. Like this is what we've all been taught. Yeah. We've all been taught. I think especially as women. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever been in a dressing room. What's that department store that I don't, I grew up on the West coast, so I don't think that they had them over, over there, but where it's just one big dressing room. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. There's some, there's some department store. Has they get enough separate doors? What? (laughs) No, it's just like one big room. And like, you just go, it's like Feline's or something. I don't know. But I remember going into one of those with my, my mom and my aunt when I was a little girl. And I, it was like the first time I had ever seen like 
you know, women and the amount of like modesty that was going on. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking like, is this, is this like what we do? Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and it is what we do. It's totally what we do. It's this, you know, like we will go into a dressing room and with our friends and, you know, we'll be like, Oh, I look horrible. I look like a cow in this. And the other person will say, no, you don't. I would, I'd look like a cow, but you look amazing. And then we go back and forth bartering, shame against ourselves in an effort to like flatter our friends. And then we call this friendship. We call this camaraderie. This, you know, this, this one upping body shape. Oh, Hey everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from toddler purgatory. Two moms who are also actors who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I, I had a client once who, they, she went on this vacation with her, with like a, like a bunch of couples every summer, and about eight or six weeks beforehand, she said every year, it was like this group text message started about diets, Mm. you know, who's going to lose five or 10 pounds. And she's, she said, I'm so tired of it. So I challenged her and I said, what if you had a very loving, you know, call it out lovingly with your friends and say, you know what, how about this year we do something different and I don't want to hear about anybody's Anybody's diet. Right. I don't want to hear about your body. I want to hear about your diet. And I have this other, this is like a friend of a friend. I don't know this person. And so I don't even know if this is true, but this is like the best idea. I heard that there was this woman who created a group text with like three or four of her closest friends and they would send nudes and selfies back and forth to each other yeah. and just like applaud the shit out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just saw a post about this on Facebook yesterday, a friend who was starting what they're, they're calling the thirst trap 
thread, which is basically just like a private WhatsApp group where they send each other like sexy pics all day and big each other up about how sexy they are. And I was like, you, you have to really trust those people. But yeah, you <laughs> do. Before, before you end up on the internet and, and a site you don't mean to be on. But, but that, just the difference beautiful. in those two stories. Yes, but there's something beautiful about saying, I would rather spend my time collectively affirming each other than collectively telling each other that we're not good enough. That can, that can sh- move mountains, y'all. Yes, it can, it can, sh- and it will shift your relationship and it will shift what you all feel like you're, what is possible. It, you know, all of a sudden you have a group of people who are not, you know, going through, you know, the diet cycling situation every year, which is exactly what that sounds like. You know, it's like every year we're back on how we didn't do the thing last year and how we're failing as opposed Mm -hmm. to like, look at what we're amazed, amazing at, look what is phenomenal about us and what, what are we growing in this space of phenomenalness? You know? Yeah. I feel like that's what's juicy. And to your other point about like not feeling shame for having participated in this system in the book, we talk about this idea of meta shame. It's shame for being shame, right? Which is such an exhausting ass, like just an exhausting ass way to live. Um, The reality is each and every one of us was just, as you said, born into this system with all of its messages about who we should be and who other people should be in their bodies. It is work to de-indoctrinate ourselves. We are not bad people for receiving the message. I judge our characters when we know that we're receiving a message that's harmful to ourselves and others and choose not to do anything about it. That's where our moral failing comes in. Not at the fact that we have it. We all have it. Yes, to that. And I mean, it, it's, I think, you know, people go through this, this drama a little bit, you know, when we sort of open our eyes to the indoctrination and the cultural messaging that we all received. And then it's like, everyone's kind of looking around, like, what do we do now? And, and not wanting to say the wrong thing and not wanting to talk about it wrong. And it's like, it's going to be messy. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to continue to do harm one way or another, but just, just, just start with, the realization and the mindfulness. I mean, even just the conversation that we were just having about paying attention to, to the, the shaming that we do, even on an internal basis to ourselves and to other women, to other people, and just take a look around. That's, I think, what we're trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah. Like we call it, uh, in the book, we call it a thinking, doing, being process. The first thing that we have to do is learn how to get intimate with our thoughts. And we don't get intimate with our thoughts because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of trash up in these brains of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we are not our thoughts, you know. And as soon as we're able to be like, I am not my thought. My thought is a thing that's happening inside of my head. It doesn't define me, which means that I can actually look at it with some level of objectivity and decide, is this serving me and is this serving the world? And if not, mm-hmm. then I can be at the doing phase of my of change where I can say, oh, I have efficacy in this moment, I can do something different. And the more that we become conscious of our thoughts and actively choose to do something different, we become different people. That is the process of being a different human in the world. And I feel, I'm a firm believer, like that, that's your first step. You have to be in that place first. Mm-hmm. You have Absolutely. to be willing to look, you know, willing to look. You have to be willing to get curious and look and, and pay attention. Yeah. I'm curious because you said something before is what are your thoughts on the body positivity movement or did I just open up a whole big old can of worms? Oh, no, I don't, I don't mind talking okay. about the body positivity movement. 
Hmm. Uh, I'm like, hmm, what do I think right now? It means well. <laughs> and there you go. There you go. You know, I, 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 you know, I'm like, the body positivity movement is a nice white lady. Literally. <laughs> like, literally, the body positivity movement is a nice white lady. Um, and, you know, the reality oh, is that, you know, historically, certainly, certainly for people in marginalized and disenfranchised bodies, for, you know, for me in this fat black body, Nice white ladies have not always been safe, mm-hmm. you know? And so the reality is that it has become a movement. First of all, I think that we have to be honest about where it started. The body, body, body positivity movement started as a fat liberation movement. It started as a movement to stop stigma and hatred against fat bodies. And that got sellable. And anytime that something gets sellable, it gets co-opted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it stopped being about the liberation of fat bodies in an oppressive society. And it started being about how can we sell you a product by helping you feel good about your size 14 jeans? And that is what it became. And um, in, in the ways in which it is completely um, apolitical is where I think it is the most harmful, is that it, is, that it isn't rooted in an idea It says there are systems and structures that thrive off of our disconnection and disenchantment with our bodies. And those systems and structures are not just harmful, but deadly to some people's bodies. Um, And until we create a world where we can feel positively about all bodies, where we feel so positively about bodies that a cop never jumps out and shoots a 12-year-old black boy playing with a play gun. Until we can create a world that feels so positively about bodies that no one ever walks into a mosque and kills Muslim folks because they're coated in brown bodies or Sikhs, you know, until we've created that world, then we don't really have a body positive world. And if the movement of body positivity isn't trying to make that world, it is the same capitalist cis heteropatriarchal oppression that already exists. And when, you know, I'm just kind of thinking some of some other examples when people can, you know, when fat people can go to the doctor and, and feel comfortable doing so. Right. And get a diagnosis that isn't, sorry, you have, sorry, whatever's going on with your kidneys, lose weight. And that's the answer to everything. And that's mm-hmm. the answer to everything, right? And until we create a world where the, the judgments of bodies do not leave people under-resourced, disenfranchised, and dead. We have not made a body positive movement. And if, you know, and if your body positivity isn't intersectional, isn't looking at all of the ways that we live in bodies, the intersections of our identities, and if it isn't working to make it possible for all of those identities to thrive, whose body is it positive for? Yeah, right. Whose body is it positive for? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious also about because you have a few workshops through the Body is Not an Apology platform, yeah. And one of them is um, Body Hate to Body Love in 30 Days. So is that the same thing that you were talking about when you gave us a couple of of ways to to radical self love that's on your book, or is this something different? So no, that is um, that's rooted in the ten tools to radical self love. And so what uh-huh. we do in that workshop is um, first talk about how did we go from this you know, from being these toddlers who are in love with our bodies and in love with other people's bodies to being in these systems of self-hatred, to, in our own personal systems of self-hatred. And then we mm-hmm. talk about um, a body shame origin story. When's the first time that we uh, 
started to believe a message that something was wrong with our bodies. You know, what was that about? What did, who did it come from? What did we learn? And then we tie that to this larger system. Let's not just talk about, you know, like we stop you in your body origin story. And then we say, let's talk about how much the beauty advertising industry makes a year. Right? And then we start yeah. talking about what are the political makeups of our systems and, you know, like how many women have ever been governor in the United States compared to men? You know, and we start talking about the visible ways that we see inequality and we tie that back to these body shame origin stories. And then we say, all right, I've painted a gruesome landscape of, <laughs> of, these, of this, this system and structure of body shame and what we call it, the body is not an apology, body terrorism. What can we do today to start moving out of that? And those are those 10 tools that we start to talk about. 10 tools that you can practice, that are practical, that are easy, that are simple, that can move us out of that. Um, and so that's what that workshop is. And we've recently just launched um, our 10 Tools Intensive, which is a four-week e-course that takes you from just conceptually thinking about these tools, oh, that's great, yeah, I could do that, to a daily practice over four weeks that incorporates all of those tools and builds on what I like to say, um, exercising that radical self-love muscle so it becomes an intuitive thing to use. Amazing, amazing. So yes, those links will be in the show notes for everybody. And you actually have two books, The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love, and a book for girls called Celebrate Your Body and Its Changes to the Ultimate Puberty Book for Girls. And I have one last question for you, and that is around... I follow you on Instagram, which everybody needs to go follow Sonia on Instagram yeah. right now. You have something called Bad Picture Monday. Yeah. So can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Bad Picture Monday is probably the Bodies Not Apologies oldest project. We started it right when Bodies Not Apology was still a Facebook page. And I was like, what would happen? You know, I had all these pictures I was constantly untagging on Facebook. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you caught me at this angle. Look at me, blah, 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 blah. And I realized that it was my own you know, my own regular way of being in a body shame relationship with myself. And I was like, what would happen if I challenged myself to, you know, to learn to live with and love me, me in every image? And so I was like, what, you know, what would it look like if we changed our Facebook photos, our Instagram photos, our profile pics to a photo we hate every Monday? Uh, <laughs> point, here's the point, right? First of all, is the body shame and body terrorism in the system thrives off of telling us that there are some ways that our body should look and some ways that our body shouldn't. And that um, we should be invisible when our bodies do not conform to what society says is beautiful or what we say is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And that invisibility is marginalization. That invisibility is oppression, right? And so we actively won challenge ourselves to reconceptualize what we call beautiful in ourselves. And then two, to challenge the notion that there is any way that our bodies could show up on this planet that doesn't deserve to be seen and valued. That is a radical exercise. Um, and over the process, you know, the seven years that I've been doing Bad Picture Monday, I don't really have bad pictures anymore. When I see them, they're just me. And it's just pictures. It's changed the way that I see myself. Amazing. Amazing. I love that so much. I love that so much. I want to marry it. Oh, (laughs) marry it. (laughs) (laughs) Proposing this week. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your message. And everybody needs to run over to the show notes and grab copies of your book. Where do you want people to go to find you online? Um, you can go to my website. If you just want to dig deeper into my work, go to SonyaRenateTaylor.com. 
if you want to dig deeper into The Body Is Not an Apology, we are a digital magazine and education platform. You can go to thebodyisnotanapology.com and you can follow both The Body Is Not an Apology and myself on all the social medias at either The Body Is Not an Apology or Sonia Renee Taylor on all of the platforms. But I really want folks to go to this 10 Tools Intensive, buy the book, and then do this four-week e-course alongside of it. And you can find that at thebodyisnotanapology.com. Thank you so much for that. And everybody, thank you so much for your time today. I know how precious your time is. And I'm so incredibly grateful that you choose to spend it here with me and my guests. Thank you again, Sonia, for being here. And until next time, ask kickers, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.